Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Fernicus, insert rhyming quotation here, Charette. What's up? What's up, Doc G? Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yes. Yes. I was lazy there. Very excited. That was, that was extreme laziness right there. I was like, you know what? I usually say something here. I'll just leave that <laughs> as generic. That's what I'll do, you know? Sounded I, great. I, yeah, you know, nope. we'll, we'll, we'll get... I still have, what, 40... Uh, well, no, like 49 weeks left to come up with yeah. them for 2022 so we're good we're good i got time yeah i got time i'm not worried plenty uh speaking of ending the month mike uh we're finishing up dry january mm. yes we are are you doing a dry january i do a dry year that's a fact pretty oh. much oh okay mm. i gotcha you know i i was thinking about this idea and i mean it's cool it's healthy, you know? It's a good idea, mm -hmm. but I was like, it's pretty sad that people actually need to, like, note this, you know? Like, yeah. you're at the point in your life where not drinking alcohol for 30 days is a huge accomplishment. That's a fact. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like, what? what's next? Fiber February? Sweet. Like, yeah, it's... <laughs> No big deal, but I increased my fiber by 30% every day. And it's, uh, yeah, brand did it. Like, or get up on time, March. Hey, no big deal, mm. but I got up every day the time I was supposed to. That's right. No big deal. Like, I'm just, I mean, you know, you didn't drink poison for a month. You're not a world beater. Nope. It's not like, yeah. I mean, there's, but I mean, it's good. It's nice. It's a good thing to mm -hmm. do. And, it's uh, really people, a tolerance break. It's a tolerance yeah, break for most well, people. <laughs> yes. Yes. Build it up again. Get ready so you yeah. can you can come back in and just be like, what? Only 10 yeah. drinks now? And I'm drunk? Cool. Um, but uh, in light of this, Mike, I thought... You know, let's let's do a little topic of of drinking. So true uh, mm -hmm. for for the opener here. Uh, the folks at Insider.com they gave us an article titled "11 Telltale Signs That You're Drinking Way Too Much." Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, first off, Mike, uh, alcoholism serious issue affecting yeah, sure. millions of folks around the world. Mm -hmm. With that being said, I'm going to make fun of some of these symptoms here. This, this <laughs> article is a little goofy. So, yes. Awesome. Yes. Uh, second, uh, I would say, I'm going to say the first sign you drink too much is you made an article with signs of why you drink too much, and you made it with 11 signs. What? What? <laughs> You're too good for a divisible by five list? Like, come on, 11? Yeah. But apparently... These 11 weren't just insider.com symptoms. These are the 11 symptoms of alcohol use disorder from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Oh, this is serious. Yeah, this is the, the, the DSMMD uh, symptoms. And I got to be honest, 
Uh, they didn't overwhelm me. Uh, these <laughs> these weren't that amazing. So right off the bat here, in our okay. 11 signs, I have to say 1, 2, and 3 are pretty much the exact same sign. That's a fact. It's pretty much the exact same thing. So 1, you drink more alcohol or for a longer period than intended. Hmm. That's number 1. You drink more alcohol or for a longer period than mm -hmm. intended. Two, you struggle to stop drinking alcohol or stick to limits you set. Hmm. <laughs> huh. Three, you spend a lot of time getting alcohol, drinking, or recovering from drinking episodes. Oh, come on. What? You're telling me these three symptoms are written by healthcare professionals? Like, how are those not the same thing? Huh? Like, you yeah. drink more alcohol. Well, obviously, if you drink more alcohol than you intended, well, then you struggle to stop drinking alcohol. And if you struggle to stop drinking alcohol, you're obviously spending too much time drinking. What the <laughs> It's Catch-22, Mike. It doesn't Come make on. any sense. Also, I was thinking about these three. I mean, what if you're a person that likes their drinking? Like, hmm. what if you're a person that has fully embraced alcoholism? Mm -hmm. I mean, so they'd always like to drink more. They yeah. don't struggle to stop because they don't want to. I mean, you're essentially just picking up one symptom on these three with that. You're just like, okay, I do spend a lot of time drinking. That's true. But I don't care. Nope. Like, it's sort of, <laughs> I don't know. A little weird. Uh, four. You have cravings when not drinking alcohol. Yes, this is alcoholism. You know, I, I you know, I would say I I mean, sadly, I would say like nine out of the ten drinkers I know have that. So true. I mean, yeah. you know, like let's be honest. I don't know of too many drinkers that I know that like you're sitting around and they're like, I wouldn't mind having this. And you're like, Boo, it's eleven AM. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe Maybe not right now, but mm -hmm. just mark it down, listeners. Cravings when not drinking out. That's four. Uh, five, your drinking habits create problems at work, school, or home. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I know what they're saying here, but I can't help but feel there's just not too many situations where alcohol is a good addition to those first two situations <laughs> of work and school. Like, I mean, I get it, but like, I just see a person just openly drinking at one of those two. Like, Greg, this is algebra, and you're severely intoxicated. This is this is a problem. This is it's becoming it's creating problems here at school. This is bad. Uh, six. Your drinking habits begin to affect your personal and professional relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I, fe I feel like, Mike, this is a bit qualitative, you know? I'm going to need a more quantitative evaluation of this effect on your professional relationships. Because... Yeah. I'm pretty sure everybody out there listening right now has that one bag at their work that's got to tell you about the new craft beer brewery in your town like that definitely affects my professional <laughs> relationship that definitely makes me hate that person yes! but i don't know if that means they have an alcohol use issue nope i would 
say they have a interaction with people issue. Um, yeah, you know, but that's. <laughs> Anyways, I, 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 I'm just saying uh, maybe healthcare professionals uh, get a quantitative, like a one, two, three, four, five scale, maybe. Or, since you like it, yeah. a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven scale. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, seven, alcohol use leads to you cutting back on work, hobbies, and other activities. Hmm. Yeah. Which, you know, again, it's one of those, the, yeah, that's sort of obvious, you know? The time, yeah. Y- yeah, yeah, I, I again, I just want to see this, though, happening in real time, like obvious things. Like, you know, there's yeah. like two people sitting at work, like, yeah, since we had our son, me and the wife, we had to cut back hours at work, you know? His, his welfare comes first, and then the other guy's like, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I had to do the same, except mine was for alcohol. I was working 40 <laughs> week, hours a week at the law firm, and you know what? I was just like, no, booze benders come first. I got to cut something. <laughs> I, got, I went down to 20. It's working well for me. It's working well. Like um, Eight and nine, once again, bit of the same thing. Eight, you drink alcohol even when it poses a safety risk. Hmm. Now, Mike, I do have a PhD in applied physiology, but I don't think you need that in order to know that alcohol poses a safety risk at all times. <laughs> like, I don't, like, when is there a time that you're like, well, this is great for my liver. Let's drink this. It's a healing tonic. No, it's alcohol. What the um, Nine. So, again, listen to the similarity of eight. Nine. You continue drinking even when you know it's affecting your well-being. Hmm. It always does. What yeah. the hell? It's a, it's a poison. I hate to tell you. It, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A 10. Mike, your reason for dry January. 10 comes into play. Okay. 10. You develop... <laughs> you Sorry. You develop a tolerance for alcohol. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. And, I mean, I feel like that's just a gimme symptom point for everybody because, I mean, that's that's what everybody does. Like, Mm -hmm. nobody out there becomes less acclimated to alcohol. Like, last week I could drink 10 beers. This time, one sip. I'm out. (laughs) I'm out. Like, that would be awesome. And the beer industry would really be struggling. Like, people are only having a taste now, and they're getting (laughs) wasted. This is horrible. Uh, Last one, Mike, number 11. Uh, I couldn't really think anything funny about this one, so let's just skip it. Wait, what? Uh, Mike, now that you've been fully briefed on the symptoms of alcohol use disorder, that's what it's called, by the way. It's not alcoholism. It's A-U-D, alcohol use disorder. Mm. Are you ready to fire up the show? Let me get a drink. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Cheers. <laughs> yes. Cheers to everybody listening. Um, Kobe is on the show today. My goodness, this fella. Wow. Just fell into our laps here, Mike. I am so yeah. excited he's on the show. Fantastic uh, musician. 
Uh, just done all kinds of things. I mean, he's got he's got a single that he put out a couple years back, uh, like forty five million listens on on Spotify. Jeez, wow. he's he's played on Jimmy Fallon. That's a big deal, Jimmy Fallon. Huge. Yeah, I, I hope he doesn't look at, at being on our show and he's like, man, man, that's that's a real downer. Four years ago, <laughs> I was on Fallon, and now I'm on this loser show. It's all right. It's all right, Kobe. We're excited to have you, and we will treat you like royalty on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as we can. We don't have a lot of money to treat people like nah. royalty. But nope. And I'll also say, and I'll bring this up a couple more times today, Mike, because it needs to be emphasized. Ladies really like Kobe. They do. They do. They like him. They like him. All up in uh, the comments. I yeah. I would be befuddled if I was him. I'd be like, what the? <laughs> do you have the wrong Instagram? This is. Are you looking for someone else? Cause man, woo. But then again, I can't. I you know, I can't fault the ladies. He's got a good look. He's got a chiseled yeah. face. He looks like a model. I mean, most of those pictures, I'm like, is this a Calvin Klein ad or a? album cover i don't know i mean honestly you could have a jeans calvin klein ad of his album cover i'm gonna go ahead and say that calvin klein think about it you can use it if you want uh but anyways mike we got to start where we start birthday suit boom happy birthday mr president mike once again a very popular uh birthday that's a fact uh some big names on the 26. Mm. Some big names. And I'm starting out with my favorite. This is okay. my favorite of the three. Uh, and he's a favorite of mine for many reasons. Uh, and I think you can get it. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, born on January 26, 1925 in Shaker Heights, Ohio. His father owned a sporting goods store. Our birthday suit wearer showed interest in acting at a young age and became a court jester in the school production of Robin Hood at the age of seven. After high school, he briefly attended Ohio University before serving in World War II in the Pacific Theater. After the war, our birthday suit wearer went back to school at Kenyon College in Ohio. And then in 1951, he moved to New York, deciding that he was going to try and become an actor. He made his Broadway debut in 1953. Our birthday suit wearer's first big movie was in, uh, was in The Silver Chalice in 1954. In the 60s, he became one of the most popular, uh, popular actors in Hollywood, playing in The Hustler, Ombre, Cool Hand Luke, Butch Cassidy, and the Sundance Kid. Mm. Over his career, he went on to play in more than 65 movies, being one of only four actors to receive an Academy Award nomination in four different decades. Yes. Mm. In 1982, our birthday suit wearer started a food company that first started selling salad dressing. But it's since expanded to pasta sauce, lemonade, popcorn, salsa, wine, and many other things. Our birthday suit wearer established that all, all, all ALL proceeds from the company after taxes would be donated to charity. Since 1982, the company has donated over $570 million to charity. Wow. Some of that money went to the Serious Fun Children's Network, which our birthday suit wearer started. 
It provides kids with serious illnesses the opportunity to run, play, and as he said it, raise a little <laughs> Name that <laughs> birthday suit where? Clint Eastwood? <clears throat> what? Not Clint, my friend. He's what? holding on to his money. Paul oh. Newman. Oh, Paul God. Newman. Yes. <laughs> Polly, kinda, man. Kind of guess, but at the same time. Yeah, it's an old like, guy. 1925, that, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's too old for Clint. I'm pretty sure Clint was born in the early 40s. Have to check that. Have to <laughs> yeah, you're probably check right. That. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yes, Paul Newman. Sadly, Paul passed away in 2008. Uh, Paul is no longer with us, but of course, his company still raising millions of dollars. Like I said, man. All proceeds, everything wow. from that company goes to charity. He could have had $570 million. Well, not that much because he passed away before. But like 400 some million dollars in his pocket. Jeez. And it was all to charity. You know me, Mike. I'm a Leonardo DiCaprio fan through and through. So true. Mm -hmm. But you're telling yeah. me Paul Newman has raised, raised over half a billion dollars, about, blah, 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 huh? half a billion dollars for charity, and he doesn't have a tree named after him? That's that's some bull. Come on, where's yeah, the is. Paul Newman tree? Come there on, there needs to be a tree. There needs to uh, be a tree. <laughs> definitely. De and also, everybody talks about Ryan Reynolds, you know, making a couple hundred million off the American Gin, and George Clooney making a billion dollars off of Casa Amigas Tequila. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard either of them giving that to charity. Nope. Yeah, what are they doing? Yeah. So all I can say is they look like a pile of puke compared to Paul Newman. That's right. That's right, guys. Until yeah, you get $500 million, I don't want to hear anything from you. Nope. I don't want to see any <laughs> Deadpool or uh, Brother Where Art Thou. Sorry, I couldn't think of a newer yeah. reference for George Clooney. But, you know, I don't want to see any of those until I see <laughs> millions of dollars to charity. Last thing, last tangent on Paul Newman, Mike. Uh, this this seems really like the opposite of what I was just talking about. Uh, in 2017, his Rolex was sold at auction for 17.5 million dollars. Ooh, nice! Somebody well, bought his watch. Yeah, for 17.5 billion. Dollars. Billion. Million. Million. Sorry. Sorry. Million. Yes. So I added a B. Million dollars. <laughs> but still, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Million. It's a rolly, though. It is a rolly. It's yeah, a rolly. but it's more, it like, it, I mean, that that Rolex probably sold, like, when it was new, like, what, $10,000? Yeah, $15,000? Probably, like, $500. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a rolly. And they were probably made it's, more quality back then. I don't know. But like, I mean, that's uh, that's one of those things that does really seem odd to me. Like, I I guess you just got to be like, I don't know the. I mean, like I said, I'm a big Paul Newman fan, but I'm just gonna get a salad dressing instead of get a Rolex. Like I, you uh. know, be like, hey, check out this ranch. It's got him with a cowboy hat on the front. Yes. It's awesome. Doc G, did yeah. you mention the salad dressing and the uh, birthday suit description? I did. It first Hi. started. I can't started. believe I missed that. I still probably wouldn't have gotten it, but um, would have been a better, <laughs> might have been a better clue for me. I, I said a food company that started selling salad dressing, but has ah. since expanded to pasta sauce, lemonade, popcorn, salsa, wine, and many other ah, things. Ah, that's where it got thrown off. Maybe I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, and appa apparently they started like literally. He had like a like a barn at at his house in California, 
and he invited over this dude who was his co uh, co owner of the company back in '82, and apparently uh, Paul's like Christmas present for all of his friends was salad dressing, and he was mm. like he made it in just like a giant bathtub. And was like had a bunch of old wine bottles and was like, all right, let's pour some of this out. And uh, they mixed it with his canoe paddle. Sweet. That's what they mixed it with. Like they didn't even That's rinse cool. it off. They were just like, all right, there we go. Little river water in there. <laughs> Never hurt anybody. It's good. Like uh, that's where it started. $570 million later to charity. That's wow. where they are now. It's amazing. Paul Newman, hats off. Plus, I love Cool Hand Luke. Yeah. One of the best 60s movies of all time. Cool Hand Luke is such an awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, if you're a young timer, obviously under the age of like 70, <laughs> probably, and you haven't seen it, you need to see it. It's a good, good movie. It's, it's a movie about life. You learn oh. about life in that movie. You learn about trying to go against the system and how the system will bring you down. It's a, it's a, <laughs> such a good movie. So well played by Paul Newman. Oh, man, the egg scene. Go back and watch the egg scene, folks. Fantastic. Anyways, happy birthday to Paul Newman. Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip some headlines. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Oh, good ones this week. Good ones this week. Been a weird week. I got a couple. I got a couple of suggestions uh, from folks. They were uh, sending in headlines for us to oh. do. Yeah, it's nice. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the first one though, nobody sent. I found this one. I hunted this one down myself. <laughs> Police in Toronto are on the lookout for a man who robbed a music store on Leslie Street South. Now, uh, the man stole. The big thing that he stole was a Gibson Shop 60th Anniversary 59 Les Paul Standard. Which, uh, you know, 59s are their best. They reproduce those 59s because, like, the original 1959s are, like, $500,000. Not an exaggeration. Uh, This one, though, was an $8,000 guitar because it was, you know, reproduction. $8,000. And you're like, how did he steal a guitar in a uh, guitar store? Like, how how did that happen? He stuck the guitar in his pants. Wow. <laughs> yes. Sweatpants. Yes. Sweatpants is correct, Mike. Sweatpants. <laughs> he stuck a three and a half foot guitar in his pants in the middle of the store. So true. In case you're curious of what that looks like, there's video of it. Yes. You can go watch the video security camera footage of this dude cramming an $8,000 guitar in his pants like and he doesn't do it real smooth either this is over like a 45 second period that he's putting this and you're just like really really nobody (laughs) nobody like i feel like that's going to be really hard for the workers that were working that day to argue they were paying attention during their shift so true like (laughs) like yeah no we had our eye on all the customers the whole day whole day Somehow that dude was able to sneak a 20-pound, three-and-a-half-foot-long musical instrument out of a store in his trousers. But we had our eye on the customers the whole day. Like, I... It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. You know? 
And I mean, and Sad. they apparently, as far as I uh, know, they haven't found him, Mike. Haven't? They haven't found him. Apparently not. Not yet. Wow. Even though they have clear as day his face on the uh, footage. So, you know, they need they need a uh, super recognizer, Mike. They need wow. a need a, a person to come in there and just, oh, that's the that's the dude. <laughs> I know. That's the dude. Not me. See him at Publix every Wednesday. <laughs> not me. I am not that guy. So don't get me, Toronto police. Okay, Mike, next story. Shout out to Drake Freeman, former guest on the show. He, he sent us this one. He sent us this one. Uh, it's a juicy story from Texas. From Texas. And shout out to Texas for out Florida manning Florida in this story. Or <laughs> I, I actually, I should say for out Florida womaning Florida mm. in this story. Uh, apparently, a lady in Crockett, Texas was checking out at Walmart when another woman, a 49-year-old woman, Rebecca Taylor came up and started making comments about the other woman's children. Nice comments. Like, oh, those are some cute kids you got there. Real nice kids, right? <laughs> she then yeah. casually asked, so you think I could buy that kid? Wait, like what? $250,000? And the lady was like, no, they're my kids, so pass hmm. but miss taylor <laughs> kept bidding she was like oh oh big baller huh all right how about five hundred thousand dollars will that do it for that kid and uh the other mother got really weirded out ran out of the store notified authorities of what miss taylor was doing and miss taylor was arrested and charged with sale or purchase of a child which is a Ooh. third degree felony in Texas. Jeez. Mike, wow. so many comments and questions here on the story. Like, so many. First, no offense, but if you're in Walmart and you're telling me you've got $500,000 to buy a kid, I'm going to need to see at least like $100,000 in cash. <laughs> yeah, like, for sure. I'm not taking a check for this kid. You're no way. you're in Walmart. This isn't Neiman Marcus. That's a fact. I'm gonna, gonna need to see <laughs> some cash. Second, I obviously don't know this lady or her kids, but do you really want to tell me you're gonna pass this opportunity up? Five hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> Come on! I mean, it's a lot of money. Yeah, and just think of the cool story you'll have after that. You know? Yeah. Somebody's talking about their kids at a party, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I had one of those." Sold it at Walmart. $500,000. So true. <laughs> like, pretty sure nobody can top that story at the next dinner party. They'll be impressed. What? Mm -hmm. You sold your kid? That's right. Yeah. Had one. Got rid of it. 2022. <laughs> got tired of that thing. Like, settle down, listeners. I'm joking. I'm jo Which brings me to another point, Mike. How do you prove she was serious? Like, that that Rebecca, Rebecca Taylor actually wanted to buy these kids you know like, yeah how'd she get charged for the crime she yeah. didn't even commit like commit the crime though like i yeah exactly it's i mean it's just on the word of the the other mother like oh she's totally yeah. buying my kids like i i didn't hear anything in that story of her putting money down and <laughs> like you know a promissory note of like totally yeah. pay you the rest like no it just seems a little bit presumptuous to me 
Uh, but I will say, Mike, regardless of how serious she was, Rebecca seems pretty happy with her decisions about buying a baby in her mugshot. Like, she seems, like, and it's not even like the, you know, like, uh, the, the, it got a little twinkle. Like, it's just like, yeah, I'm satisfied. Yeah. That was nice. Like, it's a little peculiar. A little hmm. peculiar. Mike, on from moving, uh, moving on from the old baby purchasing. Uh, the Southeast, we've been having cold weather over the past week. Yeah. It's, uh, places have been getting freeze warnings we got a freeze warning the other night a mm -hmm. freeze warning in jacksonville unnecessary 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 which brings me to my next story from louisiana which also doesn't usually get too much freezing weather right nope this is uh this is from channel 6 wdsu's weather team in southern louisiana in new orleans they posted this story at the end of last week. Here's the title. Quote, freezing rain is coming, but what is freezing rain? <laughs> that's the no. title. That, Mike, that's like if New York had an article that says, quote, murderous crocodiles are coming, but what are murderous crocodiles? <laughs> like... I I think people know what freezing you may not get a lot of it but you know what for it's sort of in the name like freezing rain it doesn't leave that many question marks it's okay, I don't think Doc G, hmm? I'm sorry I do have some question marks what okay. is freezing rain is it snow <laughs> it's snow right <laughs> come on it's it, it it's it's, it's a liquid form it hasn't crystallized like snow that oh. it freezes in the air. Mm. I mean, we're uh, that's the thing though is we're parsing uh, minute details here. Yeah. It's frozen <laughs> That's what they could have <laughs> answered the whole article with. That's you know, like I mean, I don't think the present progressive form of freeze is throwing Louisianans <laughs> like what is freezing? What I uh, mm, I'm going to have to go to the encyclopedias for this. World Book is going to have to clue me in. What? They're behind by like 25 years, by the way, Mike. They don't have the internet, apparently. Huh? Sorry, Louisianans. I don't mean... I'm not putting you down. You're much better than Florida. Girl, Anyways, um, Mike, let's see. What do you want to hear last before we go to break? Do you want a story about an old Japanese man uh, fishing yes. in the Netherlands? Nah. Freezing. No. no. Old man. <laughs> old man. Old, man. <laughs> old freezing were, rain Japanese man. <laughs> you were excited about the Japanese man. Uh, this, is, yeah. is, is, this is a weird weird one. So a uh, 63-year-old Japanese man uh, in the town of, I'm going to try to get this right, Imawazawa. Imawazawa. Sounds That's good. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, it sounds, that sounds Japanese, I think. Nope. If there are any <laughs> Japanese listeners out there like that doesn't sound Japanese at all, you um, anyways, uh, he was in his town hanging out with his lady friend, his girlfriend, who's also 58, so a little mm -hmm. bit younger, 63, yeah. 58. Uh, they had gotten significantly intoxicated. Apparently, they uh -oh. did not read or our, our listen to our intro. The AUDs. Yeah. Mm -mm. <laughs> and at some point, this dude was like, you know what? Uh, you know what I've been thinking about? I've been thinking about when my teacher 
took my stuff in middle school for misbehaving. Hmm. And his girlfriend was like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? And it just so happens that these two live in the town they grew up in. They went to middle school in this town that they still live. And his girlfriend was like, you know what we should do? We should go over to the school and break in, take it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And instead of this dude being like, you know what? That's a pretty dumb idea. Maybe we should just go to sleep. He was like, genius, let's go over to the store or the school. And uh, that's what they did. They went over and they broke into the, the school. Uh, not too surprisingly, uh, the two old drunks weren't too stealthy in their break-ins. And uh, the cops came in and arrested them. And uh, <laughs> Mike, this after reading, the, I mean, it's a fairly short story. Uh, after reading this story... <laughs> The first thing that came to my mind was like, I'm pretty sure no school has a retention policy of of confiscated material for 50 years. Like, <laughs> if they did, they'd have like a warehouse of crap that they're just like, oh, we got to go back five decades here. Let's find uh, this is uh, like. Lastly, uh, uh, apparently, when the the cops were talking to this guy. He said he wasn't actually, like, looking for the stuff, apparently. He was hoping to find his teacher's contact information in the school files to personally ask him to return it. Word. Hmm. Yeah. So he's talking about a dude or lady that's at least at least 75 now. Mm more than likely, much older than that. Yeah, way older, probably. And you think that person is going to remember and have whatever <laughs> item they confiscated from you? Like, <laughs> odds are they're not even going to remember you. They're going to no. be like, what? Who? What? When? You were very unmemorable. I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> care. I've been retired for the past 20 years. Let me go back to my old person things. Like, just ridiculous, Mike. And plus, All right. I, I tried to think, you know, like, I, like what, what could they have confiscated that, that was that important to him? You know? I don't know. I was wondering that, too. Yeah, because, I like... I know teachers confiscated things for me, but like when I was reading this story, I tried to remember. I couldn't remember a single thing that they actually confiscated from me. I was like, I know they took things. I remember me yeah. being like, oh crap, they took something. They took that. Ah, but like I couldn't remember any of those things. Like, would they confiscate from him a Ferrari? Yeah. Like, oh, I need to get that back. A lighter. That was nice. I like, I don't know. A memorable <laughs> lighter. It was, it was sentimental. It was a family lighter. Huh? Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest, Mr. Kobe. Mike, this is Keep Climbing right here on the Doc G Show. I'm just a no-good cheater A low-down bottom feeder When I aim for something higher I'm just a man I was not much of a believer You showed me something deeper My load is so much lighter When you give a hand For heaven 
could get another hour to bring back my father I'd ask him for the answers we never found If I had half a billion dollars Would it make me that much taller? He'd say, look to your daughter Remind your soul Here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Listeners, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, you need to do so. You need to take Mm -hmm. a couple seconds out of your day and just subscribe. Just press one button. That's right. That's all you got to do, because I know you've already, if you got an Apple phone, you've already got podcasts on your phone. All I got to do is go on there, put in Doc G Show, and we will be the first thing that comes up. Word. That's how popular we are. Nope. We come up when you put in our exact name. Can you believe it? Mm. That's crazy. Wow. We are popular. And you will make us more popular if you hit that subscribe button. (laughs) That, we will be shot up into the stratosphere of popularity right there with what's popular these days, Mike. Um, um, Harry Styles. We will yeah. be up there with Harry Styles. Harry Styles. Mm-hmm. He's a popular young lad. Uh huh. Uh huh. Going out with that Olivia Wilde's character. That's just weird to me. It's not mm. not because of the age thing, just because they're obviously very different places in their life. You know, kudos yeah. to both of them for enjoying it. But like, uh. You know, Olivia Wilde, she's got like a like a 11-year-old kid with Jason Sudeikis or something like that. She's got two kids with Jason Sudeikis. And you're just like and you're you're grooving at Harry Styles concerts with like 15-year-old girls. It's a little weird. So, um, yeah. You know, I don't know. It's none of my business. I don't care, Mike. Nope. I got I got tracked. I got sidetracked. I'm sorry about it. The point of the <laughs> the point of the uh, whole tangent, subscribe to the show. That was that. That was that. Um What's up? 
Mike, we need to shout out the regulars. We need to shout out the regulars. We got a good list. We got a solid list as per usual. Here we go. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Gainesville, Florida, Radford, Virginia, Genoa, Italy, Frankfurt, Germany, Ashburn, Virginia, San Diego, California, Katy, Texas, Boardman, Oregon, Peoria, Illinois, Barcelona, Spain, Anoka, Minnesota, Winfield, West Virginia, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Richardson, Texas, Piracai, Brazil, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Oxford, Mississippi. Shout out. Regulars. 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 I want some more internationals. There's an international person out there. If I offended you just now with the I don't get what's going on between Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde, I'll take it back. So true. If you're in a <laughs> if you're in an international country and you didn't like that, you know what? I love their love. Yes! It's a fantastic love that should never be broken. You know? That's what I'm saying. Anywho, semi-regulars, Mike. Shout out. Shout out to Collierville, Tennessee, Biloxi, Mississippi, mm -hmm. Abington, Maryland, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Colorado, uh, Boulder, Colorado, Tacoma, Washington, Allentown, Pennsylvania, Sydney, Australia, Ooh. Portland, Oregon, Russellville, Arkansas, Union, New Jersey, Jersey City, New Jersey, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Holly, Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Detroit, Michigan. Shout out. Yeah. Nice. A lot of Michigans there at the end, Mike. Yeah. Say what? A lot of, we were just going all over the mitten this this week. Just all over that mitten. You know, the thumb, yeah. the top, the bottom. We were there. <laughs> we were there. Uh, you were a fan of that Allentown. Was that because yeah, of... Yeah, big fan of Allentown. Was Got that... Is that because that of Billy Joel or... Oh, no, a friend. Okay. Yeah, okay. and Billy Joel. Okay, good, good, <laughs> good. You also made a note there with Biloxi. Are you... Uh, oh, a that, huge fan of Biloxi. Biloxi, no? my, my family's been going there for generations gambling. Nice. nice. Yeah. The, the only place to get your gamble on that's uh, fairly close to the East Coast. Well, not anymore. <laughs> exactly. they've, they've changed a lot of rules, but... Used to be one of the only places. Now they pop yeah. up all over the place with weird gambling places. Sure. But uh, anyways, thanks to all the listeners. Fantastic. Uh, Mike, real quick, I should have done more previously on the Doc G shows. I had more things to talk about, but I do have one thing. So we need to open okay. it up. Can't wait. Previously on the Doc G show. Okay, the one thing we have, this was a while ago. I think this was actually on our first show of 2022. Uh, we had the story about the pig heart, if you recall. Yeah. And you were like, hey, do you get the emotions of whoever had that pi uh, that uh, heart first? Yeah. So in this case, would this guy all of a sudden feel like a pig? There's actually uh, scientific research scientific studies on this and no mike the conclusive <laughs> evidence is no you do well, not that's good. uh get those sensations uh i think the biggest the first big systematic review of this was in 1982 uh and uh the conclusive evidence from that systematic review said no 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 that's so, good so don't worry. Don't worry. This guy's not all of a sudden going to want to root around in mud <laughs> and, uh, you know, cool himself down by rolling around in a mud puddle. That's not going to happen. So uh, he's not going to get teary-eyed when somebody starts eating bacon like, oh, so sad. Well, he may because he does have heart problems, <laughs> so he probably can't have bacon anymore. No. So he's going to be like, oh, I wish I could 
have some of that delicious delicious crispiness. No, can't stay away. Anyways, uh, Mike, there were a couple of stories that we didn't get to that I do uh, want to cover. Uh, that did. I mean, this one, this 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 first one. Uh, well, I'm gonna start with the okay story. Then we're gonna get into the one that really just got me, okay. Mike. It got me. So uh, this is an interesting one out of the Netherlands. Uh, so fisherman Eric Sagan uh, was on the old Spui River. I'm guessing that's how you pronounce it. I'm not too good with my Netherlands talk, <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's the Spui River. This past uh, Friday, he was fishing, and uh, he looked down at his feet and noticed what looked to be a human skull at his foot. Ooh. Wait, what? And the skull was beside a bag. Hmm. He lifted up the bag. Treasure. And found more skulls. Oh. Jeez. Yeah. Like 10 or 15 skulls Ooh. in a bag. Now, obviously, Eric was like, uh, probably isn't good. <laughs> and so he called the police. And the police came out, started an investigation, and, uh, you know, they let Eric go on his way because, obviously, uh, Eric didn't actually have anything to do with these skulls other than he saw them. Mm -hmm. uh, and the rest of the weekend, Eric was like, that was effing crazy, man. So true. I guess that won't ever happen again. So, you know, he goes back to the river on Sunday to, like, clear his, you know, he's like, all right, well, now I just got a bad taste in my mouth at the river. Not because he ate a skull. That's just metaphorically <laughs> speaking, yeah, of, course. of course. But... He's at the river, and, uh, you know, he starts fishing again on Sunday, and uh, boom, another skull hmm. at his feet, and another bag of skulls. Girl, come on! And uh, again, he called out the police and was like, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, there's bags of skulls. And the forensic team came out, and uh, they looked at the skulls, and they're like, ah, don't worry about it, Eric. Huh? And he's like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's probably a hobbyist. Or a collector. These look like really old skulls. It's fine. <laughs> and a police spokesman said the uh, collection of skulls does not seem to be evidence of a recent crime. Hmm. That's what they ended hmm. with, Mike. And I don't. And I don't know about this police spokesperson, Mike. But I can also tell you a bag of ten or fifteen skulls. Uh, is not evidence of something good. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you know, like, it might not be a recent crime, but it's not like a grab bag of awesome. Nope. I'm gonna just don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, Eric, if you're listening out there in the Netherlands, so maybe, t maybe take a week off from the river, you know? Yeah. Just, like, take a... Or, like, choose another spot. Mm-hmm. If you choose another spot and a bag of skulls ends up beside you there, I'd really start to worry then, <laughs> you know? Like, then, okay, somebody's just dropping skulls beside me every time I go into the river. This is a bit freaky, you know? But it's regardless, Eric, take a, take a week off. You, you earned yeah. it. You earned it. That's, that's traumatic. Um, skulls. Mike, <laughs> you know how lions are the king of the jungle? Hmm. Yeah, well, that's it. The jungle or the you know the land the prairie I don't know exactly yeah yeah <laughs> that saying's dumb for multiple reasons you know they, they use it all the time king of the jungle yeah. but like first of all you're talking if you're talking jungle cats tiger. that's a tiger mm -hmm. or a jaguar not not a lion second lions are always getting shown up by lionesses 
They're not the king. They're not. The lionesses are actually the king. So true. Like, and this definitely happened in a recent video caught in Kenya by Grin Sowerby. Uh. So uh, Grin's a, a nature photographer. And, you know, he goes out there, gets his photog on with all the crazy savanna animals. Uh, you know, he's been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's in the 70s. So uh, a group of lionesses had just brought down a water buffalo, you know? And they're, they're getting their uh, frightening dig on, you know, where they just, like, go head first into the water buffalo, and they got blood everywhere, and you're like, yeah. yikes. <laughs> that doesn't look good. Uh, and this solo lion comes cruising up. Male lion, you know, big old mane comes cruising mm-hmm. up, and he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to take some of their food. What are they going to do about it? They can't do anything. And... Uh, he picked the wrong group of lionesses on the wrong day. So true. Uh, they were not happy when he came up. Like, if you get a time, listeners, go look at these pictures. Put in, like, Grin Sowerby uh, Lions, Kenya. You'll find it. These are some gnarly pictures of these lionesses. They tore into him. They, uh, I mean, they had some freeze frames. It is scary looking. Really? They got their teeth, their ears are back. They're just like, we're going to tear you a new buddy. Like, I can, I can just imagine some careless zebra cruising along the savannah, like walking up on this and all the lions turning to him and the zebra being like, oh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> Wrong neighborhood, gang. <laughs> Last time I trust the GPS. Excuse me, lions. I'm going to head out. Like, man. And I haven't got to the worst part yet for the lion, Mike. Worst part during the fight with these lionesses. He got flipped over. One of them bit a testicle off. Oh, no. God. Yeah. Yeah. Right off. Not good. Right off. Got a picture? Yes. Yes. (laughs) They do. Jeez. You, You know how I always say... In situations on 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 the show where we have a story about like somebody pulling a gun on another person for a crazy reason, and I'm like, if they would have let me know beforehand that they were gonna escalate it like that, I would have happily bowed out. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like in this situation, I'm sure if the lionesses would have told him, "Hey, if you try to steal our food, we're gonna rip off one of your nuggets." He would have been like, all righty, you know what? I'll keep looking. Maybe that zebra is around here somewhere. Maybe, like, that is... Dang. Yikes. Yikes. I thought they were going to kill him. Like, it sounded like the story was going to go, like, that they were going to eat the now, lion I, I think, and the water buffalo. I think they could have. But, you know, I think it was more of just like, hey, we're going to, we're going to, you know, uh, demand you and yeah. then leave you in your pathetic oh. pile here. And we're going to continue eating like it's uh, but yeah, the, the way they looked in some of those freeze frames, I was like, wow, wow. If I was a person in there, I would have crapped my pants, uh, right at the (laughs) game. That would be done. Yeah. Done. Nature. Anyways, Mike, it's, you know, it's scary. It's (laughs) scary, man. uh, We had a story a long time ago about these poachers 
uh, they went into one of those savannas. Uh, and, you know, they obviously weren't supposed to be on the land because they were poachers. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, uh, they basically got eaten by lions. And all, they, all, all that was found of them was like one leg bone and clothes. Ugh. And I was like, yikes. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> Anyways, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back, though, with none other than Mr. Kobe Mike right here on the Doc G Show. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. The Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. Yeah. 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. You just heard Operator by a fantastic singer-songwriter, Kobe, who just released his album Song from the Ashes this past November. Kobe, how are you, sir? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me on the show, man. For sure. For sure. You killed it. I love that song, man. Thank you. Such, Thank you. Such a good jam. Uh, are you using that? Uh, is that your tailor that you're using there? That guitar? Yeah. Yeah, my tailor. I was I was curious about that because it, it's got such a cool sound, uh, and you know you're you're such a guitar head. I would think you'd have like a you know like a Fender Strat when you're jamming on those things. Oh, I got my Fender Strat right there. <laughs> I mean, when I'm doing um, just solo stuff, I tend to kind of lean more towards the acoustic because it's just a bit more percussive. I can't do the leads as much as I want to. I still right. do, but right. it's not as much of a lead instrument as like a Fender Strat would be. Gotcha. But yeah, I work around it and it's just got more body and a bit more percussive when I'm solo. So I tend to just kind of lean towards the... Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, how's it looking in the LA area today? Uh, It's looking quite windy. I mean, it's sunny. We got got a lot of sun here, uh, but it's been windy, man. So we got Mm. some weird kind of creepy winds blowing in from the desert. You know, we get that here at this time of year. Nobody wants that. Dry, dry wind. The wind was just howling last night, dude. It woke me up a few times, like, damn. I, I tell people that's like the worst wind. Wind, I I don't like cold, but wind is even worse sometimes <laughs> than cold, man. But yeah, it's got a weird, creepy, lonely kind of vibe when it gets windy like that. Yeah, and the d- power went out actually. Oh for wow! A bit. So yeah, it was really it was really kicking, man. But how about Florida? It's cold right now. It's cold in yeah. Florida. We had a cold front come through. It's actually a freeze warning this week. What? Wow, what a what? trip. Yeah, yeah. It, it happens basically we get one week of that uh, a year. So, you know, yeah. this, this is that week. But regardless, it is much better than where you grew up, right? That's. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it is, yes. <laughs> it's about as cold as it gets. <laughs> I, you're you're from, from Lutzen, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's... that's right. I, I looked up the weather for the listeners here. Uh, here's what you got going on in Lutzen in the next five days. Uh, seven for high, nine, eight, negative 12, and then oh, eight yeah. again. Uh, yeah. You're lucky if you get above zero this time of year. That's like that's like warming up for this time of year. Usually <sighs> it's like 30 below every day. Oh, I would die within five minutes of living there. It would... <laughs> That's 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 horrible yeah, weather. You got to wear a lot of clothes, man. That is, I don't blame you for um, <laughs> moving to L.A. for sure. That's uh, yeah. Well, you know, I actually lived in Boston. I moved from yeah. uh, Minnesota to Boston first, and I was in Boston for uh, a number of years doing music there. Well, honestly, then, honestly, that's that's a bit of an improvement, you know. I mean, a little as, bit, not, just, not a lot, just a little, li- little bit. <laughs> But you, but, you know, on the flip side, like the Boston summers are excruciatingly hot. Yeah. You wouldn't think it, but they are ridiculously humid and hot. It's they, like, they flip, man. They flip. It's excruciating. Yeah. It's if all- you don't have AC, which a lot of places in Boston don't have AC. That was sort so. of like this whole past summer in the Northwest, man. They had they had those those hot streaks of like 114 oh, yeah. and like oh, no yeah. fires yeah and nobody had ac up there then they never <sighs> and oh, so, yeah. why would you why would you need it up there usually exactly but it's yeah. cr- crazy crazy but crazy times man let's uh 
Let's jump into the the music. Um, yeah, you you've basically been playing your whole life. I mean, since uh, yeah, good deal. I, I saw that you had piano lessons early in life. You you like, yeah, that was the first thing. But it all changed when you got the, the guitar. Yep, yep, correct. Yeah, I started piano. I don't know, probably six or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, but it wasn't until I picked up guitar a few years after that is when I really just like okay, that's what I want to do. Nice. Nice. Yep. Now, now uh, I, I've heard you throw out all the the sort of you know classic guitar names the the Jimi Hendrix, the BB Kings, the Stevie Ray Vaughan's. Who yeah. do you remember though? Like first, do you remember a first like when you heard it, you were just like, "That's what I got to do." He, well, there were several. I mean, Stevie, Stevie and Jimmy, mm-hmm. like Red House, Texas Flood, those were like some of the first. And then like Eric Clapton, Derek and the Dominoes. Um, his rendition of um, "Have You Ever Loved a Woman"? Mm. That those just blues early blues records like that just uh, blew me away. And yeah. BB King, um, yeah, that- I love that. Seals, uh, and then John Schofield. I was getting into a little bit of jazzy stuff with him. Nice. Um, George Benson. Now, was this like when you were like uh, 10, 12? 12, 12? 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. Man, yeah. That's that's pretty it's pretty heavy stuff for uh twelve. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was a angsty little lad, I think, so it fit <laughs> it gotcha. was fitting. Gotcha. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Uh, you yeah. you you and your brother though started playing basically at the same time, right? Yeah, around the same time, yeah. Nice. And he he's still yep. a musician too. He is. He nice. is still a musician. Yep. Uh, he's he's based out of Minneapolis still. He's got a few project that projects that he works on as well. Very so. nice. Very nice. Well, I heard after you'd been playing for a little bit when you were like 12 and an older musician that had been going to you with like open mics and whatnot was the first yeah. person that told you that you had like a good voice. Yeah, it was my my first you know real mentor in life. Um, not even just musically, but just a mentor. Um, yeah, he he took he was a local musician who really took me under his wing, and you know started first he just came over. He was a friend of um, kind of a friend of the family, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. and he came over just to jam with me one time. Mm-hmm. It was a, I never really jammed with anybody, maybe outside from like my brother or something like that. So he came over to jam with me, older guy. And um, we jammed in my garage for a little bit. And then he was like, you know, I, I would love to play a gig with you. And at that point for me, I was like, play a gig? Like, that's <laughs> like a dream come true for me. So, <laughs> so he booked us a gig. And, and it, well, the first one was open mic. And then the next one was like a little, you know, small town festival that we'd have every summer. Yeah. Called Fisherman in Grand Marais. And um, so those were kind of like my first gigs. Yeah. You know? Did you? Ever- and then I ended up playing with him. Like we we that we turned into a band, and then I ended up playing with him for the next I don't know four or five years. We played together, and he would he he booked us. I was underage, obviously, yeah. and he'd go book us in bars in Duluth and Ely and like all the surrounding cities and towns, and I'd just go play bars from like nine nine p.m. to one a.m. <laughs> You know, every other weekend or so and I was making some money Yeah, and I was 12, 13 years old and, and it was cool. Yeah. And I got a lot of experience that way. Yeah. Now, so. now, did you did you start playing with him as a singer? Did you think of yourself as a singer before uh, you started well, playing with him? First it was just kind of guitar and then 
you know, he had me in our in our first one of our first jam sessions. He was like, "Why don't you try singing?" And then so I was trying to sing, and he was he really was really encouraging. He was like, "Oh, you have a great voice. You should sing. You should sing." And then we started singing harmonies together. So and we switched off, you know, because we'd be playing three four hours um, a night. Yeah. So you know, he he had a whole repertoire of t- tunes that I would learn, and then I'd bring some songs in that he would learn, and and then we started writing songs together. And um, so we just kind of had this big repertoire between he and myself, and we'd switch off singing and playing guitar. First, it was he and he and I were both playing guitar. I mean, a drum machine, mm. and so we were playing with a drum machine, which he would stop and start with a foot pedal. Nice, <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> you got to got to do some what? Awkward starts and some awkward stops there, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was good learning, you know. And then later, later, a few years later, he switched to bass. And then we got another local drummer to come play with us. So then we were a proper three-piece three at the time. And then I played guitar, he played bass, and we'd still switch off singing and stuff and swing, sing harmonies. Went to the power trio. I like it. You went to the power trio. Yep. Yep. Do you do so. you do you have any of those? Do you like? Do you have any memory that sticks out as far as any of those like open mic nights, small gigs, like that? Just I mean, there's there was a bunch. Yeah, <laughs> there was there's a bunch. <laughs> I mean, when you're 12 years old and then you're you're hanging out with all these adults in yeah. bars, like you you start to see some inappropriate things and oh. stuff, you know. Oh, I don't doubt um, it. <laughs> but you know, one of the best memories I had was. Um, we played, this was a number of years later, I think I was probably like 16 at this point, and mm-hmm. we played this like hippie party, private, we private hippie party up in like northern Minnesota, northern Minnesota in Ely. Mm. And it was on this private lake, this this whole, this person owned this whole lake and this whole campground and he'd bring up all his hippie friends and they'd just have this huge party and... Yeah, and, and you know, we just we would get into some things, and like some experimental things, and it was, uh, and we and we jam all night. That's a- <laughs> and you know, those are some of the cooler memories. You know, just like stuff that most other kids don't get to do. I was about to say that sounds that yeah. sounds good, man. That sounds like a that yeah. sounds like a special summer camp. Uh- <laughs> it was, yeah. And they roasted a pig, so they had this oh. big pig roast in there, and you know, just be high as a kite hanging out on this campground <laughs> jamming. All weekend. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's just stuff like that. You nice. know? Like these crazy parties that you only see like up in the <laughs> movies, you know, <laughs> moonshine and stuff. Yeah. You know? The the <laughs> back, crazy party backwoods of Minnesota, man. I yeah, stuff it. you don't get away with in the city. Yeah. You know? Nice. So, Not. Nice. Well, yeah. I'm sure you learned. I'm sure you learned a lot. Learn maybe maybe a lot of what not to do too. Some of those. <laughs> a few things. Some of those nights. Yeah. Now a few things. you you mentioned uh, I mean so after after playing there and and, and uh, getting to college you ended up going to Berkeley. Uh, I did. Which yep. you know uh, listeners I think are are aware we've had some Berkeley alumni on our show before. Uh, jo- sure. Johnny Rab from Collective Soul and then the the Dead Poet Society all those guys are are from Berkeley. Oh yeah. But it's uh, you know I I when I think of Berkeley School of Music I think of like uh, Xavier School for gifted youngsters from X Men uh-huh. like except everybody's superpower is music like was <laughs> w- w- was was it that intimidating to go into or or is it I think just a lot of people think of it that way yeah uh, and yeah it was it was a bit intimidating I think some of the more intimidating moments were like before you getting there like. 
auditioning, mm. you know, to like um, auditioning for scholarships, auditioning to get in and all that stuff. Like that was a bit nerve wracking because, um, you know, you want to do well. And then it, it's just, it, it, it's to the whim of like whoever you got that day. Is it, and is then it when you like get to one Berkeley, person like watching you for that audition? No, nah, it's like two, like two, one, one person's there like testing you like with some ear training abilities or like, you know, they'll put a piece of sheet music in front of you or whatever, yeah. which for me, I was like, I don't know what to do with that. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and then they have this other, somebody else like in the background, like writing down notes, mm. giving you a score. Man. <laughs> That, yeah. It sounds like sounds like like Saturday Night Live, except just for music. That's uh, like yeah, like all yes. all those I hear intimidating Lorne Michaels stories of where he's just sitting there when somebody's doing their stand up, and he's like, mm, yeah. "This does not entertain me." This is yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, the, but then when you get there, you kind of you know you get acclimated, and it's not it's not really as intimidating after you get your feet wet and stuff. And yeah, there's a lot of gifted people there, and there's a lot of mediocre people there. It's not just like all gifted. Yeah, you know. Do, um, do you ever wonder with some of those not gifted mediocre people? Like, yeah, you wonder like what the what did you do to get in here? Yeah, you know, like. <laughs> Um, I think what the the main thing, you know, you really take away from Berkeley is just people you meet there. Yeah. 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 Well, well, now yeah. you, you got into the band. I think people knew you for before you went solo gentlemen, uh, gentlemen hall. Yes. Uh, yeah. Now, that was now was, my Boston Berkeley band. Yeah. Was that post Berkeley actually? Yeah. I was about to say, was that at after? Yeah. Did, now, did you yeah, it was meet kind of an after it was kind of in the aftermath of Berkeley. Like I met some of those guys like in the, my early semesters there. Yeah. Um, and didn't kind of, you know, get together and start doing music with them until a couple of years after. Yeah. Um, and I was only at Berkeley for two years and then I was done. Yeah. So, um, it was after that is when I really started in with that band. And then we started really just kind of trying to hit that full as full time as possible. Yeah. And I was working at Starbucks, um, out of Berkeley working at Starbucks and we were trying to figure out how to make it as a band. And, you know, after like a year or so of grinding together, we, I was able to quit my job mm. and just do music full time with them. And um, and yeah, it was a, that was another huge, huge, huge learning experience for me. Well, I mean, I, that's that's all I could think of when I was I was going back down memory lane, looking at these uh, gentlemen hall uh, videos and whatnot. And I just think six people in a band, yeah. like yeah. Well, we all lived together too. I'm guessing yeah. that was virtually like impossible to get anything agreed upon by the. It got band. to that point early on. It wasn't so bad. Mm, Early yeah. on, because it was more fun. You yeah, know, it was more about yeah, you know, we were all having fun. But then, as it got more serious and a little bit more was at stake, yeah, it got it got way more political, and um, it was hard to get ideas out. You know, with six people, and yeah, um, you know, we had four people trying to write for the band, <laughs> and four or five people out of the six. So it, you know, it definitely um, it, it, you ended up butting heads for sure. Did yeah, that after did, a while? Did it sour you on on like bands for a while, or was it just you guys? I mean, I know I know you guys obviously disbanded, but like, was it like you were like, oh, I'm not I'm not doing a band thing? Yeah, no, I ain't. I mean, I ain't ever doing a band like that again ever. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, maybe for fun or whatever, but yeah. I not not for any kind of serious money making projects. It's just for six people to try to eat off a band. It's like now more than ever, even especially now. It's like, uh, forget it. 
hundred you know, percent. It'd be, it'll be, you know, you might have fun, but you're not gonna, it's, you, you gotta get really successful in order to feed everybody in the band. You know what I mean? And oh, maintain yeah. it for a long period of time. That's the other thing. Like you might have bits of success here and there, but to maintain it for a long for your life, oh, yeah. lifelong, like that's, that's, you know, few and far between and, you know, and now like bands, like what I, if I were to go out with a band and I'll be hired musicians, yeah. you know, and that's what it's been for me for the last several years. Yeah. 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 So when you look back at those gentlemen hall days, what do you like, you know, what, what's, what's the big thing you take away from it? There's a lot, a lot of things. Um, a lot of business things I took away from it. Um, all the different, avenues um that you can pull in revenue from mm -hmm. um the multiple sources of revenue in the music industry and 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 that the whole a lot of business aspects i took away from it but beyond that i think probably the most important thing was just um you know we were all uh, just addicted to recording all the time and i learned and we just recorded in our house like each one of us had a you know a little laptop yeah. studio in our bedroom and then we had a main kind of studio in our living room <laughs> yeah and um, just kind of doing it all yourself uh, was probably my biggest takeaway, you yeah. know, and recording myself, producing myself, mixing myself, all that stuff is I really like dove into that very, very deep into during that time of my life. And it, it's um, serving me well now. You, you got a you got a minor yeah. in engineering and production. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much. I spent so much time in studios and a lot of it was with them. And yeah, so. Very nice. Very well. Now you started doing the solo thing around 2015. Yeah, 2015. I broke off at the band around 2014 to do my own thing, and um, 2015 uh, I signed with. Towards the end of 2015, I signed with 300, mm -hmm. and I had just gotten off of Island because we were signed to Island mm -hmm. at the time when I left the band, and um, Island was. Uh, you know, doing that, doing what record labels do, which was sign us and not Shelving do anything. Us. Yeah. 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 And saying, oh, well, we need another big sync or we need another one of this or we need that or we don't have the song. And it's like, it, it, yeah. So um, that's a whole nother can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, got off of that, got, left the band, got off Island. And um, then in 2015, signed with 300, Lior Cohen. Released "Don't You Cry for Me" 2016 in the spring, and then uh, that just kind of took off. You know, my solo stuff just kind of took off after that. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. it's it's amazing. Real quick before going on to that, it's it's amazing how many band like it blows my mind as far as just record labels like Island. You know that I don't get this this how the concept goes of getting these bands signed and then doing that business. How many? Uh, of their albums and songs have been shelved and they're like, oh, that's, uh, it's not good enough yeah. yet. We got to do this. We got to do that. And it's just like, yeah. I, I, I don't get, I mean, obviously they get it because they're making money off of it, but like, I don't get the idea of like, let's just, I mean, especially now the way streaming is of just like, let's put it out there and see what we can do with this band. You know? Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, I've seen that a lot with record labels where they'll sign as many people as they can mm -hmm. and you know they'll let each one re um, release a minimum amount of music mm -hmm. and just kind of see what happens with each one and the ones that kind of take off on their own they'll keep mm -hmm. and then the ones that don't they just eventually drop i think yeah and you know i think they just cast a wide net sign as many artists as they as they can and 
the ones that pop off, they, they try to run with as far as they can until they stop making money off them. And then they drop them eventually yeah. too. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's really much, that's the, it's, it's, that's pretty much how it's going to happen. You're either going to be one of the rare few that fulfill all the options on your contract, which I don't necessarily think that's good for the artist either. No. I mean, you're making yeah. the record label. If, if they keep you on that long, that means you're making them a lot of money mm-hmm. and you're not making any money. Yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot of uh, artists are just naive to the business of it. And, um, you know, they, they sign away all their all their rights and likeness to a record label and the record label makes all the money off them. And the artists don't even know it because oh, they yeah. don't even know what, what that money is. You oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Until you see it for yourself on your own, until you see, until I went independent and started seeing money coming in that off my masters, I was like, "Wow, that's all <laughs> that money I've been missing." Yeah, it's like monthly checks. Wow, this is amazing. Well, that, that's like, yeah, we had a couple of guys. I think probably Mark Broussard was the the biggest that was blown away by that because he had done a a, a major record label and then he goes back to independent. And all of a sudden, he's like. Where's all yeah, this wait, money coming whoa. from? What is, yeah, exactly. Did I rob yeah. something? What happened? How? I- <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you know the the streaming platforms like Apple Music and Spotify, they pay the highest royalty rate on the master. They're not paying a yeah. high royalty rate on your publishing or your writer share. So the right. the writers and the publishers really get a fraction of what the master recording gets yeah and you know once you're your own label and an independent artist you just you don't really know that it's all just in, out there in the ether and you just don't have any idea it so blows me away too the 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 artists recently selling the masters uh like i see seeing these artists will sure. sell you know for i mean obviously it's a good investment for other people it's like you said it's a monthly it check that's, that's awesome if you yeah but i mean like blink 182 that was like i think like two years ago they just sold all of their masters basically oh and i was no like, kidding yeah and i was like oh, really just like it and it seems so weird though for something like your creation that music to be like here you go it's yours now like it, I, yeah, it's you know, it's all it's all property of some kind. Yeah, but I you mean, it, it's all it, equity. Or, it seems so weird for me, like thinking about you, like playing, like if you sold your master and then you're playing it, and you're like, well, technically that's not mine anymore. That's that's yeah. it. like that's just such a yeah. Well, you know, they still own their publishing and writers, probably yeah. unless they did unless they sold it off that as well, which you can do. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. You know, everything's for sale. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, uh, you you mentioned it. I mean, uh, you know, you put out a couple of songs there when you first went solo. You had you had shadows and we are who we are. And then you put out Don't You Cry For Me. Yeah, um, and I never really released um, those two. You just mentioned Shadows uh, and We Are. I, I, I kind of re- soft put those up on YouTube. Yeah. But I never really put them out like for streaming so, you know, on Spotify or anything like that. So Don't You Cry For Me was really it. That was the kind of first one, yeah, that I put out. Wow. And officially. You, and you were you were on the road with Above and Beyond like as like a guest artist when it yeah, came out yeah that just that that just kind of fell in my lap like um and, and it was all just kind of interesting timing you know um well don't i i had recorded don't you cry for me in my bedroom at home and then you know a few months later uh i had a, a, ma- a manager i was working with at the time and he had gotten it over to 300 and 300 leor over there leor cohen heard don't you cry for me and he was like that's a hit I'll, i i want to sign him yeah so one after he signed me we kind of did that deal 
And then not long after that, um, my manager was at a Grammy party here in LA and he met the managers for Above and Beyond. Somehow we started talking to them. I had never heard of Above and Beyond. I didn't yeah. even know who they were at the time. And they were talking to him and like, oh, we're looking for a singer for this tour we have coming up. And he called me and he's like, hey, you know, I was talking to these guys from Above and Beyond. Like, you know, there were some really big DJs. Uh, they're about to do this tour. And I'm like, I'm about to release my music. Like, I don't want to go tour with somebody else. Yeah. You know? And they're like, but I think this would be a really good opportunity for you, you know, coming out with your first single and then you'll be doing this big tour with these guys so just they want they want to hear you sing one of their songs so just record yourself singing it and then send it to them and i was like, all right I'll, we'll just see what happens so i record myself send it to them um they loved it they flew me to vegas mm -hmm. um to meet them in person and to sing for them in person so then i did that and then they offered me the tour which was some really nice money that i couldn't <laughs> turn down yeah <laughs> And um, it was right around the time where I was launching the song. So it just all kind of worked together. You know, that song came out. Um, it was at a really interesting time at like Spotify's popularity it, and popularity. Yeah. Where they, they weren't algorithmic. They weren't heavy on the algorithms yet. Yeah. It, all the playlists were cur curated by people. people. Mm -hmm. um, Lior at the time um, was, you know, had his hands deep in with Spotify. So he talked to Daniel Elk. And, you know, had, you know, Don't You Cry For Me was on all these playlists when it came out, yeah. you know, and that's just something you don't, you wouldn't get as an independent artist. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the song went viral. It went to the top of the global viral chart. And, you know, I just all of a sudden had an audience there. And that was, I mean, that was one of the, one of the few stories I feel like of my life where like I signed with, signed with somebody and then you know, something, something really happened. happened yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you, I and, mean, I mean, having already that experience, like gentleman hall and everything, did you actually have that expectation anywhere close to that expectation of when that song came out? No, I had learned at that point to keep my expectations pretty low. <laughs> so I wasn't even really that worried about it. I was like, I don't, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I felt really good and confident about the song. Yeah. You know, I knew people were really liking it because I had a lot of interest in it beforehand. So I was, I, I knew the song was great. I had no expectations or no idea what was going to happen when we put it out. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I didn't even look at the numbers like for the first few weeks or so. I was just, I didn't even pay attention. And yeah. then until it was like hitting a million and it was hitting like a, hundreds of thousands of streams a day. Yeah. And then I was like, whoa, before I knew it, you know, the song was at 15, 20 million streams. And it was like, it's crazy. And it was on the radio, it was on um, Spectrum, number one on Spectrum, yeah. Sirius XM. So, it, you know, it, it was a it was a, a, a great moment in my life. And I was just, you know, you, you hop on a rocket booster for a moment and you take it as far as you can go, you know? Now, how, how did you, because you, right around that time, you did uh, Fallon, you did The Tonight Show, which it's got to be wild. How, how did you find that out? Because I feel like that's a big moment when somebody tells you, hey, yeah. you're going to be on uh, The Tonight Show. Yeah. yeah, that was a big moment. Um, it was, you know, I was on tour at the time um i was touring with we were opening for another band called boy and bear an australian band mm -hmm. and it was kind of an odd fit because um i was with a trio at the time with some other berkeley dudes that i knew from the berkeley days mm -hmm. and so you know they were pretty fierce players yeah <laughs> like really talented dudes that i was touring with and um you know we would go and just blow the roof off the place <laughs> <laughs> before the show and they'd come on and it was just a different style of music you know yeah. they were like 
folky maybe gotcha. Aussies, yeah. you know, and we just came on. I, I think they were kind of like, why are, why are they on tour with us? <laughs> so anyway, and it was kind of an odd tour. Like some of the venues were pretty full and good. And then obviously when you're opening for another band, that's a totally different that's kind your, of genre. Yeah. People kind of look at you and scratch their head. Like what's, you know, yeah. <laughs> what is this? And uh, anyway, so that we kind of come into the end of that tour and um, I remember I just got an email from my publicist from the label, and she was like, "Do you want to do Fallon or do you want to do uh, Colbert?" Oh wow! And I was like, "That's a- you like I have to choose one or the other. I can't <laughs> yeah, do I like, both. Can I do both, please." Yeah. She's like, "No, you have to pick." Mm. So I was like, "Well, Fallon, Fallon, it is. Mm. You know, I wanted to be there with the Roots, and then there were some of the Roots members were join me on stage at Fallon." Yeah. And uh, yeah. Were you yeah, were you so. nervous for that that show? I mean, because that I just feel like, geez, I was nervous. Like, lead, like I remember the f- a few weeks before, like mm. I was traveling and stuff, and thinking about over it. in Asia. I remember just being really restless over there. Like, mm. I want to go. I want to get back. I want to rehearse. Like, because <laughs> I remember like my wi- my rehearsal window before Fallon of getting back from being in Asia. And then actually playing Fallon, it was a short, a short window. I think it was like two weeks. Yeah, you know, and I had a whole, a whole, you know, added band members and stuff. I had my same band that I was touring with at the time, my same trio, the bass and drums. Yeah, were the same. But I had um, Morris Hayes come do the musical directing for it from, and he was Prince's musical director. Yeah. Uh, for a very long time, and I'm a huge Prince fan. Growing up in Minnesota, yeah. obviously Prince is like. The pinnacle, the, uh, to me. yeah. Mm-hmm. So to have Morris like w- want to come in and 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 work with me and and be my MD for that was like very special for sure. Um, but you know he was putting together the background singers and putting together the horn charts for the horn players, and we had to have stand-in horn players for the rehearsal, and because the Roots horn players were obviously in New York and we were rehearsing in LA, and it you know so they. I didn't actually get to play with the actual horn players until the day of the show. So we had stand in rehearsal horn players. And I just being I just remember being, you know, a bit flustered, like yeah. anxious. And two weeks is kind of like just enough time to like get confident with a big group of people like that and yeah. you know, and get everything together. It's like just enough time. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, and then we got it all together and and once I got there and we did the sound check and, you know, I, I don't think I was too nervous after that because I felt pretty You're confident. Zone, yeah. But yeah. It was really just like the weeks leading up to like getting into New York, getting there, getting settled, you know, like that's, a, I think that's a big part of it. Oh yeah. yeah. Those, yeah, yeah, yeah. those dudes in the, in the roots, man, I've heard some stories about just as far as their ability to just jump in oh. and jam amazingly, just, you know. Like I, I heard some uh, yeah, crazy totally. story about unplugged uh, Jay Z's unplugged where they because they were the band for his unplugged show on MTV. Yep. And basically, oh, yeah. they said like he li- they listened to the album literally like once and they're like, yeah, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and just yeah, I remember that it's that cr- unplugged too. That was like one of the best on MTV unplugged. Yeah. Cr- Jay Z with the roots. Crazy man, and it's crazy how good. Yeah, so I'm sure they 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 got your music and were like, got it. Okay, let's hop yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then the roots backstage, they had a studio set up in their dressing room. Oh. So they would, you know, when they weren't on camera, they'd be back recording in their dressing room. Love. It's just like, man, these guys got it dialed in. Love music, man. Questlove is he's he's <laughs> these obsessed. Guys got it dialed in. They he, just work all the time. He has yeah that 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 recent uh, documentary he had was pretty cool. 
the one on uh, the Harlem uh, the Harlem Music Festival of '69. Uh, I haven't seen that yet. Very cool. About as good as I'll you have to check that out. About as good as you can get on drums, though. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Now, whenever I, I notice that, whenever I see posts about "Don't You Cry for Me," I feel like there's a constant comparison to Hosier. Like, yeah, that happens a lot. How, how do you feel? Like, is that flattering? Is it annoying? I feel like I'd be annoyed just because it's obviously your own song, and you didn't walk into it saying, sure. "I'm going to make a Hosier song." No, I didn't. Yeah, I did. that was definitely not my goal yeah. <laughs> when I was writing that song. It yeah. was the furthest thing from my mind. But you know, he had his song "Take Me to Church." Yeah, uh, that that was really big, mm -hmm. like the year before. Mm -hmm. You know, and there was there's only a handful of like tall white bluesy artists <laughs> that kind of break through yeah you know what i mean with dark hair yeah so uh, aside from uh, the obvious like musical just i th i think hosey and i had a, probably a lot of similar influences growing up yeah you know yeah um but you know as an artist i mean you don't it, it's a it's a bit of a mixed bag because you want to be your own art. You want to be recognized as your own artist, but then you also there's no harm in being compared to other people at the same time. You know, like that's part of. I think that's part of just being able to sell music is just where it's going to go and who it's going to go next to. Yeah. So you know, it it it's one of those things. It's a double edged sword. You it's, know, it's funny you brought up the you know you looking long hair dark hair like me and my mom were talking about that actually this morning because i get it all the time where somebody be like oh my god i saw your doppelganger yesterday doppelganger yeah and yeah they, they a beard and long hair yeah exactly and i'm like <laughs> i don't that's nah, not really me but okay like I've, yeah i've even got them in the past where it's like the person's asian i had a person that one time that wasn't even dark hair it was blonde hair and i was just like that's not even, it's just long hair and a beard. Like, that's not even, okay, I guess. Like, but yeah. you get you get clumped, whether it's music or it's uh, uh, yeah, physical get, features. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, and then with, with Hosier, I think he got compared to Van Morrison a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's, not like, he, and, it's yeah. not like he was free of that, of comparison. For sure. You know, or anything like that. So it is what it is, man. It's just part of it. And I think. You know, I, I I do so much music, and and anybody who's listened to my catalog of music, I think, could easily separate me from Hosier. Oh know? yeah. Because really, when you get down to do it granularly, I'm so so different from him. Oh yeah. Well, know, and I'm, it's really I'm way more American. Um, you know, he's obviously a lot more Irish folk. I was about to say. And um, you're more yeah, blues. There's just too. a lot of there's a lot of differences. Well, um, you know, we've we've had plenty of guests on this show that that basically their uh their whole career got thrown upside down because of the pandemic you know they had yeah. oh, uh, yeah. they're in the middle of tour you know four thousand miles away from home or they were yeah. recording together no and then all of a sudden they had to they couldn't you know uh how, how did the pandemic affect you um well it wasn't really um it hasn't really been a positive thing for me. Yeah, <laughs> I've done my. I, I've I've really tried to make the most of it um, by spending a, an insane amount of hours in the studio over the last year, um, year and a half. Yeah, um, making this record. But yeah, it was a lot of things in my life were turning upside down at that point. Mm. Um, it, and it was just kind of one thing after another after another. So like in 2018, 
my dad got sick mm-hmm. um, and I had my first child, my firstborn child. So um, dealing with those two things at the same time, I was forced to cancel a whole summer of touring in 2018 mm. um, to help take care of my dad, mm-hmm. and um, which kind of flipped me upside down. Then 2019, he passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, then, um, I, and I was having a lot of trouble with the record label at that point. I was, it was 2018. I still hadn't gotten an album out, mm-hmm. which they had signed me for. Right. At first, yeah. it started with just a single deal which was the Don't You Cry For Me. Then they picked up the album option. And I, they would just, no matter how many songs I did or turned in or no matter what I recorded, they just just turned it down a, a lot. So by 2018, I was pretty frustrated not having an album out. Um, then in 2019, um, Lior had left, by the way. Mm. Uh, in, at the end of 2016, he was gone. Mm. He left the label to go over to YouTube. So a lot of things changed at that point because he was my biggest advocate. I was about to say, that, and, that seems um, like it always happens too at record label. Yeah. Like the, the guy that's there that works with you splits and then yeah. it's uh, once they're gone once they're gone yeah and then by 2019 like the whole freaking the whole staff had flipped over almost mm-hmm. you know it's just becoming um more and more difficult to work with you know to get things pushed through and and work with people because yeah. this would constantly change you'd, you'd get to know somebody and get a flow going after a few months and then oh they're gone new person coming in um so anyway yeah then 2019 came around i was um finally starting to get some songs the label was happy with. And I was doing a lot of recording over in London. So that was cool. Um, but I hadn't toured since 2017. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really toured in 2018. 2019, I didn't have any music out. So I was kind of off the circuit. And, um, and then my dad passed away. And then 2020 came. I, had, um, I, was, I was just getting out touring again in the early part of 2020. And um, then it, I had a whole summer. I had... Um, South by Southwest. I had some really great things coming up that I was really excited about. Yeah. Especially because I hadn't toured in a couple years. And then boom, the pandemic hit. Um, everything shut down, uh, which obviously we didn't know. Nobody really knew what was going on. Then June of 2020, um, my label dropped me. Mm. And that was just kind of like turned me upside down again. Um, so then I was just like, you know, very much reevaluating, um, everything at that point. Yeah. And I decided to, I was like, well, I've been working on a lot of material. I'm going to start putting stuff out. Cause that's really what I've been wanting to do for years. It's yeah. just put music out. Like I, I, I don't even care anymore if it blows up, if it doesn't blow up, I just, I just want to make music and put it out. Cause mm-hmm. I've been stifled from that, you know? Yeah. So started doing that. And, um, I got some of my masters back from the label, not all of them, but some of them. And so after a few months of having my, some of my masters back and then releasing a few singles here and there, by the end of 2020, I was like, oh my God, like I'm making decent money right now off my masters. I was like, this is kind of great. And then I realized how much of a blessing that was to finally be dropped. And especially at a time during the pandemic. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I, I imagine just trying to deal with trying to put out music through a record label these last two years and all 
it just sounds like a nightmare, you know, especially with the yeah. pandemic, because they're all they're always like, oh, we want to wait, mm-hmm. you know, until we can do radio, until you could tell you're on tour. They always want to wait for something. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of the thing. They want to wait till you're, you know, you got the right radio song, and then when you have the right radio song, it's like, oh, well, you, you don't have a tour, you don't have the right to. We need the right opening slot. Yeah. So then they go to the agents like, we need an opening slot before we're gonna go to radio, and the agents like, I can't get you an opening slot tour until you're on the radio, mm-hmm. and so it's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? And it just becomes yeah. this, yeah, it becomes this never-ending cycle of just things that don't get done you Mm -hmm. know so by the end 2020 i was like wow i am so blessed to be able to be off this label so then i was like all right 2021 i'm gonna really just go in and and put out this and i'm gonna make this record that i've been wanting to make you know and um so i just spent all year in the studio writing recording right here in this room and just putting out singles, putting out singles yeah. and building up into a record. And then by the end of the November, I put out the full record and, um, and I got my next record almost already re- finished and recorded. Wow. And now I'm just rolling. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I'm, I'm very happy now. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, well, I want to go to the I want to go to the album, but first, I I did want to say I was I was cruising back through Instagram and I was looking at a post uh, during the pandemic, and this this is just wild to me, and maybe it's like the old man in me, but I noticed like a lady posted on one of your uh, uh, on one of your posts, and she said she was a new fan, and you asked her where she was from, and she was like Kenya. And I was just, oh. I was like, I was still blown away by that. I mean, like, you know, just to think you're in LA making your music and there's somebody in Kenya that's streaming your music. Like, oh, yeah. like, does, <laughs> does that still get to you when you, when you hear something like that? Yeah, man, I love it. I, I mean, actually it's a little it's a mixed feelings because when it's someone like that, like if, if deep in Kenya or somewhere other part of, of the world that I can't really get to easily, it's a bit of a bummer. Cause I'm like, Oh, I want to be able to reach, I want to get to these people in the flesh, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, me doing a, a Kenya tour or an Africa tour is not really like in the cards right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, know, maybe someday I don't want to, you know, speak things into existence, but, yeah. um, but yeah, so I want I I really like to be able to to reach people. So when people feel a bit out of reach, it's almost a little bittersweet. Yeah, you know what I mean. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I got. I will yeah. say too. I, I I I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but uh, ladies seem to be a big fan of you on on Instagram. They seem to be a yeah. big fan. I I yeah. I, yeah. I pondered for a second if I should become a Kobe cover singer and just. <laughs> see see what I can do with that. Uh do, do do ladies ever get rowdy at concerts? Get ever get too rowdy for you? Um they, I yes. I you know, <laughs> but again, I have I like I said, I haven't really toured in the yeah, last couple that's of years. True. Like I that's true. I haven't toured since 2017. I haven't properly toured in, since 2017. And er, 2020 I did a couple weeks. Um, but, and I was just getting warmed up yeah. and then it shut down. So I guess 2020 I did some touring, but I haven't, yeah, I, I haven't really been touring nearly as much as I want to. I hope that changes. I hope that starts to change this year. Yeah. Um, I just did a show here in LA. It was my only show of 2021. I was about to say, I saw um, a hotel cafe, yeah, right? Hotel cafe. Yeah. Um, How did if that you've been feel? to LA, oh, it felt great. It felt great to just do a show. Yeah. You know? Feel weird since, I mean, you hadn't. Well, I will say this, like. I feel like people are are way tweaked out from this pandemic. People are have it's different. Like talking to people after the show, people are way more like timid or way mm-hmm. their social their social skills have dropped. Oh yeah, I think just in general, a lot of people. 
you know? Oh, I, I told and, people uh, for sure, like, <laughs> the first year, that was the thing, is, like, after, like, the first year, uh, and we started coming back in for, like, meetings uh, yeah. in, in the actual, like, conference rooms and whatnot, I didn't know what to do as far as, like, yeah. hand gesture, exactly. and I was just like, what a... I, I, and like I was having these weird inner monologues in my head, like Ben, you're looking weird. Don't do that. Okay, what? Uh, uh, put my hands. No, don't cross your hands. Like it's just. Yeah. So I could I can definitely get it how it, it feels weird, but like that's the thing is yeah. I feel like for you, if I were if I were performing, I'd do the same thing. Like I'd just be like, I sort of don't know how to do this, but I guess it comes natural. It just. It, it, well, I've been doing a ton of live streams which has really kept yeah. me in the audience mode yeah. and, and also playing mode and just kept me being really comfortable in front of a camera, therefore kind of being comfortable in front of people. Yeah. Um, so that actually has helped a lot. You know? sure. And then people chat and throw chats at me or whatever yeah. while I'm live streaming. So it kind of it feels like that. Um, but yeah, it was, it, I, you, you, I want people to be like kind of rowdy and like yeah. get really into the music or yeah. sing along or hoot and holler or whatever, or clap. Um, but people were so quiet for a, a lot of during a lot of my set that it was like kind of tripping me. I was like, it was almost too quiet. You, I don't really want people like having conversations and stuff yeah. like, you know, ignoring, like, that's not what I want either, but it's Being a trip. Into it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and they were into it, and it was lovely, uh, but it was just kind of moments. It was a bit shocking how quiet the audience was, and I was like... <laughs> you were like, anyway, guys, yeah. guys, don't worry. You won't get COVID if you yell. Just, you're good. <laughs> yeah. you're, you can go for it. Yeah. You can go for it. Um, but speaking of shows, man, I really want to come to Florida yes! and do some shows. They, I've been dying to come to Florida and do some shows. They, so I don't know if you're if you know putting on any shows there or anything like that. But if if that rings a bell to you, hit me up because I I've, I've been dying to come to Florida for sure. Uh, Jacksonville has uh, lots of live music loving fans. Um, yes, there's uh, we have uh, really every city too. When you look at it, I mean. Even the smaller ones, the whole state uh, is just music yeah. heavy. Yes, Florida's a great music state. And and I plus you get, to, bit, you get but to not do, as much as I want. You get to do a lot of uh, you know, outdoor venues too, which is always nice. Yes. And yes. Definitely uh, pandemic style, definitely good. But um yeah. Let, let, let's talk about the album uh, real quick here. Now, you mentioned, I mean, this is this has been building up. You've been in the music industry for two decades over, and <laughs> this is like your first solo record. Yeah. Like, yeah. when you actually got to that point of releasing it, were you like, was that nerve-wracking? Like, oh, this is actually yeah. This yeah. Is happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of second-guessing along the way. Mm -hmm. You know, like, what song is this an album or yeah. is this just a bunch of songs I wrote? You know what I mean? That yeah. was kind of, that was a thought I had a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, you know, especially being on the label, which what they were so like radio song centric yeah. and focused that is like, it became like, they didn't give a f album yeah. or like they never did, yeah. you know? So, you know, as an artist, you get in this mode of like, I got to write a great song. I got to mm -hmm. write a great song. And then every song just becomes this single you need to write, you mm -hmm. know, in hopes to be on the radio again so you can get some music out and yeah. make a living. 
Um, so that mentality over, I mean, because I, you know, even it even goes back further than uh, than just 300. It goes back to like Island Records yeah. and Gentleman Hall because we did that whole thing. We did the whole radio game, and then so that mentality has been just deep in my brain for so long that. Um, finally putting on a record it was a bit nerve-wracking and I did second guess it a lot yeah. um, but as I just kind of forced myself to not listen to <laughs> that that voice telling me why it wasn't it or why it wasn't going to work yeah um, you know it, it just it it finally came together and now I'm, I'm really happy with it I'm really proud of it um, I think it's some of my best material um, and I, yeah I, I'm, I'm just I'm just I was really happy I got to put out a record last year and that I actually just went ahead and did it. Was it, was it more sad? I mean, cause you mentioned, I mean, that was the thing is you essentially almost like every month released a single. Uh, yeah. Was yeah. it, was it more satisfying to drop that album than a single? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, a lot of the songs on the record were singles that I had released that, right. that year. Yeah. And, but that was always my intention when I started out in 2021. I was like, I'm doing a record this year. Well, I was about, I was about to say, uh, because I mean, this album, you know, had been such a focus and it had been a buildup. I sort of wondered if there was like postpartum depression, like once you finished it, even though like you were getting like, it's obviously out there. It was like, oh, I've been working on that for a while. Now, now what? <laughs> well, I had written so many songs last year. I had, I had enough material for two albums yeah so i was it was just kind of figuring out which ones would fit on that album mm -hmm. and and where i want to go from there and so i it, you know it wasn't really i i didn't feel much postpartum depression with it i actually um just ready to go on to the next thing i was just ready to get on to the next thing i i immediately go now i'm just like in this mode i'm like okay what's next what's next what's next and i'm just keeping the ball rolling now you know nice. and, and that's, you know, I guess that's how you, know, you get on with it because, you know, you, you, you release an album or a song. I, one of the benefits of releasing singles like that, um, each single and kind of building the album that way is then each song gets more of a chance to get a little bit of visual, mm -hmm. you know, visibility and, um, and to get heard. Um, you know, each song you put out can get on the release radar mm -hmm. rather than putting out groups of songs that, you know, maybe one gets, gets out there a bit. Yeah, so you get a, you get a little more of a chance to, you know, have people hear what your different you know your different styles or whatever and um get more familiar with you and then you know, when the album dropped i put out five unreleased tracks on yeah. the album yeah so so there was a bit more meat there and um what, what would yeah. you say is the the favorite of those five unreleased uh you'd want the the listeners to hear the most right now i mean obviously you really wrote them tough. all uh, yeah, that's really tough. I it depends on the day, depends on my mood. I mean, I I, I think Operator's a banger. Oh yeah, uh, you know, a Fool's Gold is definitely one that people like a lot. That one's a pretty deep, deep cut. It's a deep track. Nice. Um, uh, a long time ago, Hard Feelings. You know, those eavesdropping. Those are probably some of my favorites off the record. But each one was my favorite at a point in time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Every single one of those songs was my favorite at a point in time. It's it's one of those. So, even though I ask the question, I always like when I hear another uh, interview and they say that, I'm always just like, "Well, of course they like every single. They wrote them. They're not gonna <laughs> like. They're not gonna be like. Well, that one was a piece of. <laughs> but the other ones, those are pretty well, good. You know, sometimes, sometimes I do look back and think that's a piece <laughs> of. 
<laughs> less and less nowadays. Yeah. But um but yeah, I mean yeah, every shit, now yeah. and then. You're not gonna yeah, every, yeah. it's not a hundred percent every time. Well Yeah, or even if I don't if I'm not feeling it anymore, I just like, well, that my time with that song has passed. Yeah. You know, then it served its purpose. And that you know, then I, I just respect it for what it is at that point. Mm-hmm. Well you now know? now that the album's out, the the, the plans like you said, for 2022, is it try to get another album out in 2022? Well, I'll be releasing more music. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be rolling out more singles into an album again in 2022, which I'm I, I think I'm gonna be starting here uh, probably in February. Nice with the next single. I'd really like to get out and tour more. Um, when COVID hit, I lost my whole team. I lost my manager. I lost my agent, and then obviously I lost my record label. Yeah. So I've literally been doing everything myself. Um, I really would like to get an agent. Yeah, a manager would be cool, but uh, I don't really want to pay anybody <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to do what I already do pretty much myself anyway. <laughs> honestly, you know, no. We're going to bring some things to the table. Yeah. Then, then, okay, let's talk. I was about you know, to say. If you really can bring some things to the table, then let's go. But if you just want to sit back and collect on my hard work, I think we're going to have a problem yeah. with that, you know. <laughs> no, no, no offense to any of the managers listening out there, but I've definitely no. dealt with some managers that I say that I want to go back to the artist and go, "You're wasting your money." Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, that's very true. Um, but what I would love to have an agent again that would book me some shows. Um, but it's that's also tough. The agents I talk to are really weary about booking anything. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so it's uh, it's a bit of a tough time, but um, I'll figure it out. I'll navigate it. I always have, and I always I always will. Nice, nice. You know? Well, hopefully those yeah. shows come down to Florida. Hopefully, I'm I'm hoping so, man. So um, if anybody out there is listening, come if you want to book me, Florida. I'm um, I'm pretty easy to get in contact with. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, well, Kobe, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. For sure. Listeners, you pleasure can check- to come on here and chat with you and to share music and all that. Yeah. Listeners, you can yeah. check out all of his music on all streaming services or at his website, kobemusic.net. You can follow him on social media at Kobe Music. Kobe, you're going to play uh, one more song for us. What do you want to play? Yeah, this I'll play time? another song for you. Uh, I'm going to play an older one. Uh, it's called Rising Phoenix. Fantastic. This all one's right. not off the album, but it's off. Um, one of the earlier EPs. Very nice. Yeah. I've been hungry for this. A lie is awakening inside me. I've been opened up. Opened up. Burst of light. 
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Kobe in the house. Kobe giving us Kobe. Those fantastic jams. Just being a fantastic interview all the way around. If you haven't checked out his album, Songs from the Ashes, you need to. It's a fantastic album. You heard two songs from that album on the show today. He's just a, a great guy, fun fun guy to be around, Mike. And I got to be honest, I really don't want to go to his hometown during the winter. I Mm-mm, No way. L- Lutzen, Minnesota, man. Uh, Sounds cold. So true. I was not exaggerating with those temps in the uh, in the in the interview. When I looked up the temps for Lutzen, Minnesota, I thought I was gonna die from frostbite just looking at the temperatures. <laughs> like negative eight for a high. What? Eey. No, no, thank you. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those places that like you got to go to the store on like snowshoes, you know, and just uh, put my snowshoes on, head on out. Can definitely understand why Kobe now lives in L.A. That would make sense. That's a fact. I uh, just checked it. Minus five right now. Ugh. An old Lutzen. Ugh. Negative. Minus two at. Well, I guess that's actually warmer. <laughs> yeah, <mind>. but I'm mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> negative five, <laughs> negative two. Yeah, that is an increase. Hey, I see. Negative, I see how negative, <laughs> negative ten degrees tomorrow, ten p.m. Okay, oh. there we go. Okay, that's colder. <laughs> that's how negative numbers work. We got it. We got it, everybody. Uh, uh, every now and then, you know, just you get figure out how it works. We got it. We got nah. it there. Uh, anyways, <laughs> thanks to Kobe for being on the show. Fantastic. I hope he comes by again, and we are going to try to get him some shows in uh in florida so he can come down here maybe stop by the studio you know just that kind of deal it'd be fantastic yeah thanks for being on the show kobe um mike two birthday suits these are these are big deals here these are big deals now you you tripped on paul newman which is understandable i mean (laughs) you know it's it's understandable because he hasn't been in a big movie in like 20 years so yeah it's understandable these two I'm not going to give you any excuses on. You have to get these two. All right. Okay. Uh, what do you want first, the musician or the basketball player? Basketball player. Okay. And this is from your home this is from your your home state, Mike. All right, cool. Uh, born on January 26, 1977 in Daytona Beach, Florida. Hmm. Our birthday suit wearer attended Mainland High School was a standout in many things. He was a great quarterback. He was an all-star volleyball player, and he was extremely talented on the saxophone. But where he really excelled was basketball. He could jump out of the building. That's right. His senior year, he averaged 22 points, 11.4 rebounds, 4.5 assists, and 3.5 blocks a game. He was offered 77 Division I scholarships, ultimately decided on North Carolina. While in North Carolina, he won two ACC titles and two Final Four appearances. After his third year, he decided to declare for the draft, where he was selected fifth overall by the Golden State Warriors, but was immediately traded to the Toronto Raptors. Not too long after being traded to Toronto, he started being called Air Canada 
because of his ridiculous dunks. He won NBA Rookie of the Year. In 2000, he earned his first NBA All-Star selection and won the Slam Dunk Contest with arguably, and what I would say, the greatest Slam Dunk performance in history. Our birthday suit wearer went on to be an eight-time All-Star and a two-time All-NBA player. He ended up playing for eight different teams over 22 seasons. He is the only player to have ever played 22 seasons over 40 or over four hmm. different decades. He is currently 19th on the all-time scoring list. Name that birthday suit wearer. Vince Carter. Vince Carter. Yes. Vin Sanity is correct. Yes. Yes. I. Uh, fun fact, Mike. Fun fact. I saw him do a 360 dunk while playing at North Carolina. That's right. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, on one of those uh, on one of those Final Four runs, I was lucky enough. My uncle got tickets to the old NCAA. Uh, tournament, and I saw them in the uh, Sweet 16. And uh, that yes, is so cool. He did a 360 dunk on a fast break, and I lost my mind. That's a fact. And uh, somewhere there's a, a disposable camera photo of that that I took <laughs> during that game. I was like, I gotta get this to remember forever. And obviously, it's really uh, sentimental to me since I don't know where it's at. So, uh, it's there somewhere, though, Mike. It's there somewhere. And I will say, I don't have a problem saying this. Best dunker of all time. Best yeah. best dunker of Definitely. all time. I mean, you know me, Mike. You can't get better than Michael Jordan. But as far as dunking, he could dunk better. He did not yeah. have it, the drive that Jordan had. He didn't have all the other things. But in dunking, that dude could come from anywhere he wanted at any time he wanted and have just insane dunks. And if yeah, you have definitely. never watched him dunk over the 7-4 center of France in the 2004 Olympics, my lord, go back and yeah. watch that. He that clears... A 7-4 man. Now, I will say that just like two years ago, if Ja Morant would have finished his dunk over Kevin Love, that might rival the Vince Carter dunk because that yeah. dunk was insane, but he didn't finish it. He didn't finish it. And it's uh. even more insane because Ja Morant's like 6-2 instead of 6-7. So it's yeah. just like God. That guy He's can wild. He can spring, man. He can. Yeah, he can. Spring. It is insane. I'm excited but, to see what he does with his uh, with his career. He's taking. I mean, he's taking Memphis places. He is taking Memphis, and mm -hmm. we are going to have just a little precursor for you guys out there. We're going to have an all star, uh, an all star uh, show. Just just basketball. Of course, Claude mm. Fly Till I Die, Lathan is going to come on. We're going to talk about the, the playoffs and everything else. But, uh, yeah, uh, that's not what this birthday suit's about. Uh, it's nope. Vince Carter's birthday. So he's turning 45, Mike. 45. Uh, Good and for him. Played until he was 42 or 3. Something yeah. insane like that. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, okay, Mike, here comes the musician. Big time musician. Sadly, we just lost him just a little over a year ago. But uh, hmm. let's see if you can get it. 
Born on January 26, 1955 in Amsterdam, Netherlands. Uh, our birthday suit where his family moved to Pasadena, California in 1962. Our birthday suit where and brother started learning how to play piano when they were six. Between 1964 and 1967, our birthday suit wearer won the annual piano competition held at Long Beach City College. Around that same time, our birthday suit wearer got a guitar, started practicing for hours. Eventually, he formed a band with his brother Alex and three other guys. They were called uh, the Broken Combs. Our birthday suit wearer was in and out of different bands until 1972 when he and his brother formed another band... And the name of the band was their last name. Hmm. Their first album came out in 1978 and had instant hits like You Really Got Me, Running With The Devil, and Ain't Talking About Love. Their second album came out in 1979, had two singles, Dance the Night Away and Beautiful Girls. One of their biggest albums came out in 1984, titled 1984. It had the singles Jump, Panama, and Hot For Teacher. Jump hit number one on the Billboard charts, and the album sold over 10 million copies. The band went on to release 12 studio albums. They've sold over 75 million albums worldwide and had 13 number one hits. Our birthday suit wear also recorded the solo for Michael Jackson's song, Beat It. Sadly, our birthday suit wearer passed away in October 2020. He's remembered as one of the greatest guitarists ever. Name that birthday suit wearer. Oh, this is so embarrassing because I'm kind of guessing, but is it Van Halen? You are correct. Eddie Van Halen is correct. Nicely done. Kind of a guess, but you got it. Kind of a guess. Didn't actually know he passed away in 2020. I mean, I, I'm sure that was like huge news. Yes. Wow. You really missed that one, Mike. You oh, really, come on. I mean, I guess, yeah. you know, since you're. Miss a lot. If you, were, if you were on the old Doc G feed on the, you know, because of all of our obvious musical guests, there was mm-hmm. uh, many, many, many memorials uh, for, uh, for Eddie. Yes. Because I mean, so many, so many artists between, you know, uh, basically like the late seventies and early nineties. That's who they grew up idolizing. I mean, mm-hmm. he was just insane on the guitar. Uh, just, I mean, just a technician, is what they so- sometimes call a finger jockey. That dude could just move those hmm. fingers up and down the fretboard. Just ah, uh, bananas. Bananas. When people first heard the song Eruption, oh, it's just, I mean, so many notes in one song, your mind explodes. He's Mm. a fantastic guy. In fact, he was so influential. Another birthday suit wearer that we had a long time ago on the show, uh, Dimebag Daryls, who was the guitarist for Pantera, uh, the popular heavy metal group. Um, He was such an Eddie Van Halen fan, he was buried with the Eddie, uh, with the guitar that Eddie Van Halen gave him, he mm. he specifically wanted to be buried with Eddie Van Halen's guitar. That's how big of an in- and and Dimebag Daryl's one of the greatest guitarists of all time too. So like you know, wow. just speaks to Eddie's uh, influence. Yeah, sadly, uh, uh, he he died of a stroke there last last year. But uh, he would have been let's see, what is that? Sixty seven. 
So, you know, mm. uh, died died fairly young, sadly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, hats off to Eddie Van Halen. Mike, fantastic show once again. We've got more fantastic shows in the works. Yes! Uh, I'm, I'm moving around names. Mm. Once again, I have not solidified, and I apologize, guys. Trust me. As soon as we get who's coming on which show, I will put out the word. It will be like a bat signal. You will see it, and you'll be like, oh. That's who's coming on. That's a great guest. I'm excited about that. That's what you'll do. <laughs> That's what you'll do. I promise you. And it's coming soon, guys. We've got several. I've got about four guests that I want to line out here in the next four shows. Just don't know which shows each one of them is going to go on. But till then, I've been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Mikey Maximus, the Furnicus, Charette. Yes. This has been great. Woo! Thank you, Doc G. Woo! For always having me. That was good energy right it's there. That's awesome. I like that. I'm feeling good it. good energy. Yeah. 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 We're feeling all feeling it. it. We are all feeling yeah. it. Keep feeling it. Until next I'm gonna time, I'm going to have a drink. Oh, oh, man. Toast. Screw, screw those shot. 11 symptoms. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it a doo-dah.